Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. And that wraps up the 2023 AFL Amy Community Series. All 18 clubs have now had multiple practice games. We've had multiple opportunities to look and see what our super coach and AFL fantasy sides might look like with these players. And now all there is left to do is make thousands of changes as we get towards opening round this week. Hey, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I trust you've enjoyed this pop-up mini-series as I've looked at every single one of these community series matches, whether you watched them or not. The design was to help you look at the players that I think popped in this match. So we've got to talk about the players that didn't fire that we still might need to look at and ultimately wrap it up all together as we head towards round one and the first of our rolling lockouts for 2024. Gosh, we got to talk about North Melbourne, don't we? In this matchup against the Saints and Zach Fisher did exactly what I think and maybe even a little bit more than what I think coaches were anticipating and hoping. He's got that distribution role, that rebound role, taking of kick-ins, 36 disposals in this matchup, a handful of marks, 114 in AFL Fantasy, 132 in Supercoach. If you weren't really feeling confident in him beforehand, Gosh, he's giving you some real big question marks to answer over these next couple of days. If the only reason you weren't locking him away was because of some concerns about how does this all work with Sheasel and himself as well as a Colby McKercher, well, I think you got your answer to that. While it is a very high transition style of game that North Melbourne play, a very open style of football that we often see in preseason matches. The reality is he had that role and they look to give him the ball at every single opportunity. If you don't like players that have had an injury interrupted preseason, I understand the hesitancy around Zach Fisher, but I don't know if beggars can be choosers in our forward line this year and not too many show the potential ceiling of him in this spot at that price point. And no, I'm not just referring to this matchup. I'm talking about what he did in these handful of games he had in this halfback spot at Carlton last year. We did a full episode of him in the 50 most relevant. It's here on this same channel. So you can just go back and check that out and listen back to that in greater depth. But if any point in time you've been bullish on Zach, this matchup's given you that confirmation. You can lock him away at an F1 or at an F2 spot, depending on the format and the way you like to structure up your forward line this year. His partner in crime, Harry Sheasel. 32 possessions, had a monster last quarter. Tons across the formats. He's got that halfback role also stitched up. I can see this being the B1 and B2 of many back lines in a number of different spots for us in terms of how much they just love to get the ball into each other's hands. North Melbourne have shown this for us now over a number of years. Hall, Zebel, and Sheasel joined that group last year with the amount of easy transition football, uncontested possessions, uncontested marks, kick-ins. And I think North Melbourne are still going to give up a, a relatively high scoring opportunity for their opponents, given at least in the talls stock. They're still quite inexperienced and young. And I wouldn't say they've got a great defensive unit anyway. So to me, I think you can really quite comfortably go 
both Fisher and Sheasel because they are at different ends of the ground, even though they play in separate spots. That ownership of Harry is continuing to increase. I don't think it's at a critical mass tipping point just yet where it's going to be difficult to go against him, but that can change radically over the next couple of days. The, the reality is he's got that role that we know what he can do. He does look more improved and rounded as a footballer than he did last year. He signed a big long-term commitment to the club. I, I think every element is there, let alone the fact that he's playing all the way through those early block games in that first buy round because he doesn't have one of those. Yeah, I get it. I wouldn't talk anyone out of starting Harry Sheasel right now. Uh, Lazaro, we've got to talk about. Rookie price guy, mid-forward across the formats, picking up some centre-bounce opportunities as well as some of those link-up transition points. 21 disposals in this game, 80 in AFL Fantasy, uh, a 68 in Supercoach, certainly not as high as you might like, but the reality is at the price point you're paying, he looks like he's at home in this midfield unit and he's playing some transition football and getting some center bounces, as I've mentioned. So I'm really quite comfortable to, to lock away Charlie. I, I think he's going to be a really handy player for us. He looks quite um, thin in the way he goes about his football, but he does add some skill dynamic to this midfield. So to me, Lazaro, I think you can select with confidence and even put him on the field. I don't feel like he's going to give us too many 50 odds based on the way and the places that he's uh, positioned for North Melbourne and the way they do choose to hold on to the ball as much as possible. I think there's an opportunity for a selection for us there. If you're bullish on Wardlaw, then you're probably pretty happy with what you saw in this matchup, given the fact that he scored uh, via 12 tackles. Yeah, 12 tackles in a preseason game is just ridiculous. In fact, there was a number of players that had really high tackle counts in this match for a preseason game. There's a little bit of spice in it at various times in the third quarter, which is very uncommon in a preseason game. But this one had it. You can thank uh, a particular St Kilda player that decided to cannonball himself into Jai Simpkin for providing some of that spice. But to me, I think if you're bullish on Wardlaw, you saw what you saw, which is we know he's going to get plenty of free kicks, both for and against, none against in this matchup, lots of tackles and a smaller volume of disposals in contrast to others, given how contested he is. Personally, I feel like there's better options at a price range that's either cheaper or a little bit higher. So he, he finds himself, for me, in a little bit of a halfway house that I don't really like. And so I'd rather drop 100K or add another 100K to get somewhere else that I'd like. But if you were bullish, you saw what you saw and you would have been all right with that. Tristan Cherry has been someone that we have long looked at this preseason, not just to save cash, but as a guy with that number one ruck mantle, can he be an option that gets us through a five, six, eight, ten week stretch of the year while we look to get some of the big end premium rucks? The answer with Tristan Cherry is yes. I think he can do that based on his price point. 16 possessions, 31 hitouts, five free kicks for, but four against. Um, he and Marshall had a really good battle in this matchup. I feel like you can select him with confidence at R2 across all of the formats. If you've faded your interest in Brody Grundy due to what you saw this week, and ultimately you don't need to cool too much, you'll get to see it in opening round. But if you do want to take a value ruck approach to your ruck division, then Tristan is absolutely giving you that opportunity. He battled really well. I thought he moved around the, the ground quite nicely. Marshall 
Marshall's not the easiest ruckman to score against. And I think he did a pretty fine job around the ground, let alone beating him at hitouts from a hitout count perspective, which isn't uncommon for Rowan Marshall. But I did like what I saw from Tristan. I feel like you can select him with confidence. I'm not too concerned by that. Zane Derzma, I don't know if we'll need him, but joy, joy, mate. This kid's going to be an absolute star in time. A couple of shots on goal, a couple of those converted, a couple of them didn't quite make it. But a 60-odd across the formats, yeah, the, the, this guy's going to be a player. Um, he is really strong aerially, adds a new dynamic to that midfield. Um, got some speed about him for his size as well. Really quite like him. I don't see the ceiling of scoring outside of through multiple conversions and shots on goal to being able to give us the scores we want. And, and given that we're not struggling for forward cash cows or ones with DPP that could swing into the midfield as well. I feel like we can probably fade some interest, but there's going to be a time in the next four or five years where Zane is going to take games apart and absolutely dominate in a football sense, not just in an AFL fantasy or super coach landscape. So Zane Dersma, really going to be a nice player for North Melbourne, going to be an absolute game changer. But I think in fantasy footy for 2024, we don't need to get too concerned by him just yet. Of course, all it takes is a couple of injuries and we might need to look there. Colby McKercher, 18 possessions in this match, 78% time on ground. Probably was the one that lacked out of Fisher and Sheasel's dominance. He probably didn't pop the scoring as much, but you're not fading your interest in him. You know he's going to be in and around the ball. Um, North Melbourne had a really nice last quarter that he was a key component of and the third quarter as well. So to me, I, I don't see a reason why you should be fading Colby McKercher, regardless of the fact that you know he didn't go over 65 across the formats you're not worried about the scores you're looking at the role and the role is solid and fine he's going to pop some 70s and 80s for us and maybe if we're lucky get us a few early tons along the way tom powell is a fascinating prospect 14 possessions five marks just the one tackle which is a little low for him and then scored 50 across the formats he's getting some midfield minutes and now whether or not that was aided by dry simpkin going off with some concussion concerns after that big hit from webster yeah I, okay that I'll, I'll hear that argument but when i look at this north melbourne midfield i keep hearing about how stacked it is but Politely, after LDU and Wardlaw, why doesn't Powell fit into the mix of this? If McKercher and Sheasel are off half back, why can't and why doesn't Powell pick up bulk minutes? I feel like his selection in our sides won't be based on what he did in this match, but rather our consideration of him will be if there's a failing of some other options that are playing in opening round. I'm alluding to guys like Jordan and Billings, for instance, um, that don't deliver scores that make us go, oh, you know what, we're getting that accelerated price movement that offsets that early buy and therefore I'll jump on. Then if they give us 60s or even 70s, okay, maybe a power starts to become a little bit more intriguing to us. I like what he's doing. I, I don't think he's an essential pick, but if someone said, hey, I'm starting Tom Powell, I go, yeah, I, I get that approach. I probably like others a fraction more. I have had Powell in some various um, incarnations of my side this preseason across a couple of different formats. Right now he's not there, but if someone said, hey, I'm big on Powell, I'd be like, go for it. Absolutely pick him. 
And then the last one we should talk about from a North Melbourne perspective is Luke Davies Uniac. Uh, 14 possessions, 79% time on ground, score in the 30s, basically spent a big chunk of this game forward. To me, I'm not worried. Um, in fact, if you were bullish on a LDU, you can recall back to what he did 12 months ago where he had a really similar style game, which was in first year, didn't really ever go in for a contested possession all that much, didn't show that high-end speed and, and really sat off the ball just a little bit more than you know he can be and does. And then he came out and went bang, bang in rounds one and two last year. Um, he's clearly learning how to manage his body a little bit after multiple concerns. So I think if you were keen on him, you absolutely shouldn't be changing path on that. Where it's different to say a, a Rory Laird, you might be thinking of going, hang on, MJ, Rory Laird spent some time forward in the match just the day before and you were sounding the alarm. But the difference is there wasn't a midfielder that's popped in that has now been the difference maker for why I would see that. Clearly, LDU is this best midfielder in this North Melbourne team. I, I don't think the parallels between a, a Laird's forward role and an impact of a Sam Berry is being correlated alongside an LDU. So if you're big on Luke before this matchup, this is why you don't watch the score. You watch the game unfold. You watch and listen to the narrative of the coaching staff and everything that you could possibly draw from this outside of the score would tell me that you can select him with confidence. If you don't um, pick LDU and you were bullish before today, um, you're probably being dictated to by the scoreboard. If you've faded him, and it's because you just like others more. I'm all right with that too. Hey, let's talk about St. Kilda before we wrap up these reviews. Riley Bonner is growing in interest and love across the community. And I can understand it too. 30 possessions, shot on goal, one goal, one, 85% time on ground and tons across the formats. Uh, I think he's a really nice option for a couple of weeks. Just a couple of weeks. And then when Jack Sinclair comes back, then my concern about his scoring, let alone job security on this side, starts to go up just that little bit more. Um, there's a lot of players that were out of this matchup that I think Ross Lyon ideally would want in his round one side. We know Sinclair's not going to be part of that. We know Brad Crouch, who's a very different style of player. He was also missing from this match and is an important part of their midfield cog. So to me, I think you can start a Bonner but it's with a really narrow focus. And potentially he's the kind of guy that you're like, you know what? I want him in round one. I want him in round two. I'm going to try to maybe more AFL fantasy trades than everything else. Um, maybe a super coach. I, I wouldn't knock that out either. Uh, is I'm going to get as much cash generation as I can over the first two to three weeks. And then I'm just going to flip him to a guy that's coming off his buy. I'm going to go and get myself that humor cluggage. I'm going to go and get my Kitty Coleman. I'm going to go and get my Tuke Miller, my Flanders, or whoever it is that you really, really like. He might be the pathway of fast money making because in this halfback role um, and without Sinclair, it's just absolutely money for days and points for days for him in that spot. Draft, I wouldn't mind grabbing him late, then being able to see if I can flip him very, very quickly once Sinclair arrives back. He could continue on. Absolutely. But for me, I'd rather deal in known quantities, which is with Hill, with Sinclair, with Wanganeen Miller. They've got those classy outside ball users and Bonner's fine but I wouldn't say he sits in that same caliber of classy ball users that they've actually got. So to me, I'd probably fade a little bit of interest, but for a couple of weeks, 
don't mind it. Uh, Mitch Owens, I know I've seen some people in the community say, what about Mitch? What about Mitch? But the reality is this is what we know he can do. He moves into the midfield and plays that relief ruck role, which kind of ups his points a little bit because he's around the ball a little bit more. He took some really big, important marks for this St. Kilda forward line, kicked a couple of goals. And so we know from watching last year, he's got some real weaponry about him where he can put on big, big tons and 90 plus scores with relative ease across the formats. But the reality is, if you hadn't considered Mitch before this matchup, then you're just falling in love with the points of a preseason game, which is the wrong way to approach it. If he is not someone you'd thought of at all, well, two things are wrong here. Either your analysis of this game and how he will play is wrong, or two, he was always going to do this and it's your failing and flaw for not considering him for the majority of the preseason. Personally, I want no part in Mitch. I don't like him for a draft. I love him for a keeper league. But in Classic, I don't think the financial upside and value is there. Um, I don't want to spend that sort of salary cap on a guy that is going to need a lot of impacts of scoreboard to be able to get that games up a little bit more. So and they're not playing North Melbourne every single week politely. So for me, I'm fading interest. Rowan Marshall, if you're big and bullish on him, and I'm seeing a growing portion of the community doing that, that go, didn't like Grundy, and I don't want to chase down deep in Cherry because if that fails, I'm stuck. Yep, I'm just going to go Rowan. I get it. You saw everything you wanted to in this matchup. Um, 19 possessions, handful of hitouts in this, shot and conversion on goal, and he still manages to turn up without really getting out of first gear. Exactly what you know and love about Rowan. I, I find it really hard, as good as Gorn's going to be this year. In AFL Fantasy, I do find it hard in that format to not see someone outdo Marshall and also English while in Supercoach. Gorn's a different beast in that format. I, I think it's a three-headed monster that's pushing towards those top two rucks. The question is which, not who. Um, let's talk about Naziah Wanganine Miller. Again, similar sort of prospect around Bonner with no Sinclair early. We might see some pops of some scores early, which might just in an AFL fantasy landscape, if you're looking for that low $800,000 price point, trying to just skimp and save at the top end of your defensive premiums to try to kick as many cows or key position players, even maybe a Caulfield or even a Williams potentially off your field, then absolutely Nazire is someone to look at. Really smart and classy user. 99 in AFL Fantasy, 107 in Supercoach. He's an absolute future star of the competition and for fantasy football. If this matchup just reminded you of what he can do and kind of was the thing that changed your tune, I get that. For me, the absence of Sinclair should only aid his scoring as they look to him and Bonner more frequently. Um, if that's something that a two or three game stretch early on in the year kind of is enough to get you, kind of put you over the line of somebody else, like a, a short or a Whitfield or something like that, then I'd absolutely understand that and, and wouldn't disagree with that selection process. Let's put another cash cow on the absolute watch list for you. And probably not just watch list, but someone that I think is going to be there in round one. Mid forward, Wilson was awesome for the Saints in this matchup and is a really great pickup. 24 disposals. Uh, missed his shot on goal, but a 97 in AFL Fantasy, a 106 in Supercoach. This kid's going to be an absolute ripper. He fits beautifully into this Ross Lyons style of coach, um, which is really good runner, runs for days for a first-year player, 
really smart user of the ball and has high footy IQ to get into space and to read the play really well. And so finds himself getting lots of transition and also lots of uncontested marks. Again, I know it's a preseason. And so these style of players do see a scoring bump. So let's get our kind of expectations in check a little bit. But to me, Wilson's going to be an absolute ripper for us. And we can have probably one of him or a Windsor on our midfield bench and open up these opportunities through the forward line. If you want, you've got Clark, who's another that I thought was okay from Geelong in a previous match, or you can chuck them both on the bench in your forward line and be relatively happy about it. To me, this is another great reminder for us that we've got great cows this year in 2024, and we don't need to be too panicked about it. I think he's best 22. Ross Lyon has shown that he's happy to give young kids opportunities at St Kilda. Last year, it was Philip who this year it feels like Wilson's the guy. I think you can select him with some confidence. And if you even needed to put him on field, I wouldn't be opposed to it. <sighs> Let's talk about Jack Steele, shall we? Um, 21 possessions, nine tackles, 93 in Supercoach, 111 in Dream Team and Fantasy. He's been this guy that's been really interestingly viewed in the preseason. There have been some that have just been bullish from day one and been like, his value, he, he looks good. He's moving athletically. He's finally got rid of that injury interrupted season that really stalled him. He's dropped some of the, the unnecessary elements of his game and really looks like to be back to being Jack at his absolute best. That's been one portion and the other have just gone, hey, I just don't know if he's a 120 guy anymore. And you know what? I think it's somewhere in the middle, which is he does look good. He moves and covers the ground well. He still is their midfield general. I know Crouch was missing, but he's still their best player through the inside component of the midfield. I know Sinclair was missing, but he's still the best player on the inside component of this midfield. The tackling is there. The uncontested link-up play is there, as is the contested footy. And importantly, the St Kilda possession-heavy game style. Lots of marks, lots of movement of the ball, denying opposition the chance to be able to just bomb it down the line and do an intercept. That very Ross Lyon-style game was still on show in these past two weeks. So if you weren't bullish on a steal, I think you at least need to open the mindset up to the possibility. Uh, if you were keen, you've already picked him and you're probably even considering him as a vice captaincy or a captaincy option because I think there's enough to like there about Jack Steele in 2024. But lastly, Maker is just put him on the radar. I'm not too sure he's done enough to be there round one. I think it's a possibility, but I don't know if he's been there round one. I also don't think an 11 mark tally and an 83 in fantasy and a 60 in super coach. Um, that's not going to happen every single week for a, a key, you know, for a defender like that. So um, the key for me around show and maker is, okay, does he play a little bit more lockdown with Howard going out? I'm not too sure he's got that as his one wood. His one wood and his real skill set is his booming left foot so i think they'd love the idea of having him there um but for me i don't maybe it's bias i think we've got enough of these cash cows that we've got in our defensive line early that we actually want to hopefully get a couple of them in round four five six seven starting to make their debut and that's probably where we should probably hope to see show and maker and not just another one um into round one so he's perfectly fine i think he's going to be all right for the saints um but personally, I'd love to see him maybe just a bit secretly uh, appear a little bit later on in the season, just as a downgrade target 
if we get him round one, it's good for him. It's good for those that want to pick him. For me, let's hopefully see him forecast down a little bit later down the road. But do you agree or disagree with my take on this North Melbourne and St Kilda matchup? If you're watching this on YouTube and you haven't subscribed, it's not too late to do it. Subscribe and turn those notifications on so that as soon as a new episode drops, you'll be notified straight away. But then also comment below and let me know which of these Saints and which of these Roos caught your attention from this matchup. If you're listening to the audio podcast and you haven't subscribed, take the two seconds out of your day to do that and give it a five-star rating and Apple podcast users you can give a nice little review. What have you thought of our preseason? We'd love that. We might even read one of those reviews out in one of these preseason episodes before we wrap up the 2024 preseason. So if you're on Apple Podcasts, go and jump in, leave a review. We'd so greatly appreciate it. And our Patreons are getting a ton of bonus content this preseason, access to some hidden groups. They've been involved in some keeper leagues. They've got some draft rankings and a ton of other rewards, including our rookie guide that's over 100 pages long and an accompanying podcast. If you would like to get your hands on that when that comes out, which is just the next few days away, you can get access to that by becoming part of our Patreon with all the details in the description of this episode. So what's next between now and the start of opening round? Here's some things you're going to get from us before then. Over on our YouTube channel, uh, you'll get a team reveal from me. You will get to see what my team looks like in AFL Fantasy and in Supercoach before opening round. Those games are going to change a lot of teams and a lot of structures and a lot of ideologies. And so very, very happy to share my team with you for those formats. We'll drop that as well as a full coaches panel strategic roundtable as we make some big conversation elements that were things we've learned from this past few games and the things that are going to make real impact for us as we head into opening round. And so stick around with us on this channel because there is a bunch of stuff coming before opening round. And then it's just watching a couple of games of football taking as many notes as we can and then applying the learnings because that Carlton and Richmond game is getting closer than you realize. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I've hoped you've enjoyed these Amy Community Series match review pop-ups and these conversations. We can't wait for you to come back and join us again tomorrow for some more great content coming to you from the Coaches Panel.